Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we can all make a difference right now. Today, we talk about a new and a very dire UN report on climate change and how we must pressure our representatives to go faster and further to move away from fossil fuels. We also talk about union-led strikes in Los Angeles and the fight for fair wages and worker protections all across the country. And as the world is on indictment watch in New York this week, joining us for our interview is our friend and founder of MSW Media, Allison Gill. She breaks down the copious legal troubles for the former MAGA president and what we should expect to see in the coming days. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And this this is is How We win. Win. Hi, Steve. <laughs> Hello. Happy <laughs> Wednesday it is as we're recording. We um, we pushed the release of this episode a little bit. <clears throat> Sorry. Sorry, everybody. I thought maybe we would have an indictment to talk about. We got Allison on to record an interview post-indictment. That hasn't happened yet. I should know better. It's my fault. I take full responsibility. I appreciate that, but you know, it's it's we all get it. It's it's hard to to not fall fall into the trap, I guess, of wanting to see justice done where it needs to be done. Yeah, and we've we stayed pretty much away from all of uh, Trump's legal stuff uh, on our show to focus on the work that we need to do as organizers and volunteers and activists. Um, but this week seemed like a good week to lean in and get an update from uh, really the expert on all things uh, legal woes for Trump, uh, Allison. So I'm excited for everyone to hear that interview. But before we do, let's talk about some other news. Um, top of the show, we mentioned uh, LAUSD workers are currently on a three-day strike. That's here in Los Angeles. Um, their contract ran out in 2020. You know, uh, school workers, these are cafeteria workers, bus drivers, uh, people mm-hmm. who assist teachers and uh, and are taking care of your kids every day, they get an average of $25,000 a year for that work. Wow. I don't know who can live on that wage. So they're, they're uh, fighting for a contract that would bring it up to 36000 which does not <laughs> still seems, you know, uh, not like a, a livable wage. But um, we're definitely in solidarity with them, um, and uh, I know this is a national show, and here I am talking about uh, a strike going on in Los Angeles, but it's it's important that we pay attention to all of the union actions we're seeing across the country because we've seen, as we've talked about, some great success from companies like, uh, you know, Starbucks, who have had branches that have uh, voted to unionize, and also pushback from companies like Starbucks, <laughs> who then closed some of those branches um, after they unionized. So um, there is a real uh, push for uh, for fair wages um, and uh, and for better workplace conditions, and and that is what unions organize to do. And uh, you know it. We see a lot of these actions. Actually, uh, a very small percentage of our workforce is actually unionized. And, um, and if if we wonder why uh, the the very top is always in control and you know constantly exploits 
the skills and talent of those who are the most vulnerable, um, that is why. It's because uh, we don't have the power unless we come together and take that power. So there's another strike looming yeah. uh, in the entertainment business. The writers could potentially strike. The current agreement expires on May 1st. A lot of stuff to look out for. And uh, just for our listeners, I know you are pro-worker. I know you are pro-union. I just encourage you to stand in solidarity and support our brothers and sisters who are fighting for uh, basic fairness. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up and bringing it in because it is a national trend that we're seeing right now, just more worker power organizing in unions and also, you know, even independently workers are coming together to demand uh, more, more action collectively. So I think it is important to pay attention to it. And it, it's, it's part of this resurgence that I think we've been seeing in the workforce where people just are not going to stand for things that they may have taken in the past. They can see that there's more power when people are working together collectively. Yep. So, si se puede. That's great. Si se puede. And, and I mean, it must have been really hard yesterday with all the rain. And so it is amazing just that folks are sticking with it and, you know, doing those picket lines and their rain gear and all of that. It's, it's, it's quite, it was quite a day to do that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if anyone saw the images, I have to say it was incredibly impressive. And thank you to everyone that came out. Uh, it was miserable. It was rainy. It was cold. It and, and people were out there in force and, uh, and in front of LAUSD headquarters, had a huge crowd out there. We've just been seeing people really showing up even uh, in these harsh conditions. So, uh, thank you to everyone who uh, who walked with us. Okay, so the other big story that we've been tracking this week is, of course, the UN climate report that was a little scary, a little terrifying, mm-hmm. not great uh, in terms of how the earth is really heading toward a catastrophe, a critical threshold coming and in, within the next decade. So this is like yet another report that we've seen these coming over the past, you know, few, several years that, that it keeps happening. Um, and in this case, really laying out, I think, what shifts need to happen in order to keep global warming at a, at basically relatively safe levels. Um, but yeah, what do, I mean, did you see that? What do you think? What did you think about yeah. in terms of the ability to shift course? It was stirring. You know, uh, I, you know, I'm a Hopi guy. I, I want everyone to feel the impact of this study. You know, they sh- you should yeah. feel scared about it and it should motivate you into action, uh, not into apathy, because uh, we've known this for a long time. Uh, there's some good in it there's some, you know even though it's a very dire report it does say that there are still steps that we can take to mitigate uh this looming disaster and and also that you know every little bit that we do is going to make a big difference but like even a 0.1 percentage uh rise in our global uh heat is uh you know, going to displace hundreds of thousands of people who will be affected by drought and and uh, uh, floods and uh, crop failures. And, you know, we've been talking about the refugee crisis we're going to have, climate refugees. Um, it, it's, it's very dire. Um, 
you know, we've known it for a long time. It is an inconvenient truth, but we must divest from fossil fuels. There's just no yeah. way about no other way to talk about it. And right. um, the two biggest offenders in this space are China and the United States of America. Yeah. So um, we we and have a, a significant role to play in saving our planet, not just for future generations, but for this generation that's inhabiting the planet right now. Yeah. And I think the article that we were reading noted that those two nations are still approving fossil fuel projects as we speak, mm-hmm. and um, that what needs to happen is all of the industrialized nations coming together to essentially slash greenhouse gases in half by 2030 and stop adding carbon dioxide altogether by the early 2050s. So those are the steps that need to be taken in order for us to have basically a 50% chance of limiting the warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. One of the quotes that I thought, uh, the chair of the panel that I thought was really striking was, and clear was the pace and scale of what has been done so far and current plans are insufficient to tackle climate change. We are walking when we should be sprinting. And I think that really summarizes it. And I certainly hope that this new report jolts jolts everyone into a different kind of action. I hope so. It's very clear. It is, it is very clear. Um, I mean, just from a financial standpoint, it's also very clear. Like the the damage from these extreme weather events, the storms, sea level rise, the loss of property, you know, ev- everything that it, uh, the toll that it takes on states, on our country, um, it's clear that an investment uh, that would keep that from happening or prevent even more catastrophic storms uh, would be good financial sense. Like, yeah. you know, so like policymakers ought to be able to see this clearly. I mean, it should really shape the stakes of our upcoming 2024 election too, right? Because we're looking at an entire party that is essentially climate deniers in the face of this kind of report. It's unbelievable. It's an interesting question if we can put this to the forefront. It's always been a very difficult thing to put to the forefront as an issue, even though it's an existential crisis that affects every single one of us and it is the single most important issue facing us. Yeah. For some reason, because of the scope of it, people have a hard time feeling like like hanging on to it as an issue that affects them in their daily lives. For sure. But um, it is affecting us in our daily lives now. And, you know, God help us, we may be too late. But uh, this report is is saying, you know, it's not too late. We just have to move fast and we have to move further. We have to uh, really be aggressive in our investment in clean energy and our divestment from fossil fuels. That means no more new fossil fuel projects like the one that Biden just approved in Alaska. So I know. And like we've noted before, the the younger generation, they do get it. You don't have to convince them. And so that could also be part of the work of just ensuring that young voters have what they need, the outreach that they need to do, the groups that are doing this work with Generation Z, that they, that they actually are supported at a high enough level that they can turn 
this generation out in a different way than we've ever seen. We saw a glimpse of it in 2022, but mm -hmm. we could see it on a huge scale in 2024. At least that's the potential. I hope so. But you know, people are losing their homes. They're, they're you know, we see the floods. I was thinking about you yesterday as yet another atmospheric river really hit, hit yeah. California hard, but especially the Bay Area where you are. Um, yeah. And uh, and so like this is it's real. It's real. It's yeah. tangible. And and uh, you I know. felt it yesterday when the wind was blowing a lot of trees down. You know, it's just like okay, this is this is the new reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So scary stuff. But we should be scared. Our job is to you know scream it from the rooftops like um, like uh, what's his face <laughs> and don't <laughs> don't look up. Don't look up, right? I was like, I was thinking of that too. It feels this report made me feel like we we are living in the movie. Don't look up, yeah, for sure. Well, we are, we really are. Um, but uh, but we need to make sure that there's a lot of uh, fossil fuel money. Uh, a, yeah. a you know, I was just as a candidate, I've been paying attention to a lot of the financials of California politics, and the um, lobbying report just came out. We had record expenditures by lobbyists in this last year, way at the top, far outpacing everyone else was fossil fuel money being spent on elected officials. Mm -hmm. So um, pay attention to that. Put pressure on your elected officials. Um, make sure that this is the paramount issue that we're all working on because it affects mm -hmm. every single aspect of our lives and our economy. Okay, enough about that. <laughs> so... We're going to get into it with Allison, and that's going to be great to hear her perspective. And I think, you know, I hear you that <laughs> there's a way that we didn't want to fall for what Trump's doing. And I, and I do a agree. Fool. Yeah, I know better. I mean, <laughs> live and learn, live and learn. But I did find it shocking to learn that he raised $1.5 million since he put that out. On wow. Truth Social, um, there has not been an arrest. There may not be an arrest, but he's raising barrels of cash. So it's just, I think, really part of the learning to not get sucked into whatever that man is going to try to do. We know that he's he's good at this. Manipulating the news media and thus the public is his superpower. So we won't fall for it again <laughs> such a grifter i'm such yeah <laughs> yeah i apologize but, but hey you know what worth the wait for this great episode so absolutely no, no harm it's, done <laughs> no it's super important and, and allison has some great info around what we should really be looking out for right now what is what is actually interesting in the legal developments around the former maga president um so the thing i just wanted to bring up was you know to remember that there, this is the current GOP frontrunner. It's like, let's take a step back and realize <laughs> that this person is the GOP presidential frontrunner, and he's the target of not one, not two, not three, not four, but five major criminal five. investigations right now. Yeah. Five, leading an insurrection, stealing classified documents and lying about it, all the years of tax fraud that we've seen, illegal payoffs to one adult film star, and improperly interfering with the actual election in Georgia. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot. And, but even more importantly, every Republican who's in office right now has fully embraced him, yeah. has not denounced him at all, and is just supporting and scheming and covering up for him. They're all still in power. So, 
I wanted well, to bring that up. Well, they're all still in power because the ones who did stand up to him or, you know, were not falling in line with this rhetoric got primaried out or have left. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is the Republican Party. So rather than focusing on him, and by the way, there's some new research that came out this week that says actually even using his name uh, around the talking about the potential indictment just it leads voters to tune out and ignore the message because people are just so tired of him. Yeah. So um, then the moniker that we've come up with is former MAGA president, which you may have heard. So let's let's do that. Let's repeat that. The former MAGA president, uh, whenever we can, um, to not let the GOP get away with their actual embrace of him to focus it to focus the attention more on the whole party and the people currently in power mm -hmm. rather than only on Trump the former mega president <laughs> I think that's really important you know um it, it's uh <laughs> disgusting and craven to see these republicans who at at the time of the insurrection for instance were actually for a second calling it out for what it was and uh, now full 360 embracing this uh, former MAGA president. I was feeling little hero of the week vibes for Alvin Bragg too. I mean, I, I know it's not that cases shouldn't be the focus, but still, I feel like he's done some hero's work and oh my God, the, the outrage being pointed at him is like unbelievable. The right wing noise machine has gone all in. Yeah, they're just trying to denigrate, distract. I mean, that's that's all they do, you know. Um, and uh, like calling him to come in and and testify about the case. You know, I thought Ted Lieu did a very clear breakdown of that. Like, they have no jurisdiction, no power to intervene in that in that case. So, uh, yeah. But it's just it's just to make noise, and um, you know. Yeah. We we have, we have to keep making noise. One one thing that's been on our to do list, I'll say, for the, the last last week or the last couple of weeks has been these actions around when he does actually get indicted is to make our voices heard and uh, join these move on events uh, and indivisible events to uh, to call for accountability. No one's ab above the law and um, and not not get, you know, they're going to make a ton of noise about this. We need to uh, go on the offense that and be ready to, you know, uh, make noise, not just celebratory. Like I know it feels good and the schadenfreude of it all, but, but just a real solemn call for justice, you know, cause that's mm -hmm. what we need. Yeah. And, you know, to make it clear that if this does happen, it's a everyday Americans on the grand jury across differences, across race, across party who would issue this indictment. So it's, it's not just to say it's this district attorney in Manhattan, but it's actually a truly representative grand jury that of regular Americans that would make this decision. I think that's another important thing to to front end. Great point. Yes, yay justice, yay regular people standing up and doing their civic duty. Um, let's talk about uh, our listeners' weekly civic duty. That was a lame segue, but we do what we can. Um, we're down to the wire in the Supreme Court election in Wisconsin. It's April 4th. So once again, if you haven't had a chance to make some calls or if you're in the area, knock on doors. We have a, a link to Swing Left's resources there. All of your links to volunteer and donate strategically right there. We'll have that in our show notes or you can just go to swingleft.org and find it there. Secondly, stand in solidarity with unions. 
wherever there's a union that is uh, is fighting for better benefits for workers, better pay for workers, you know, um, when we see record record corporate profits, uh, it's important to protect the people and and make sure that uh, we have a democracy that's working for all of us and not just those at the top. And uh, that kind of segues also into making some noise about this environmental, um, this climate report from the UN. I'm going to put a link actually to the entire report just so people can see it. You know, it's quite dense, but there's some areas that just have some summaries that you should look at. So you make some noise about this UN climate report. Make sure your electeds know that this is uh, the <laughs> top of all of our agendas uh, or else. Absolutely. Should we talk about our reasons for hope? Yeah. What's your so? What's your reason for hope, Jennifer? So I wanted to lift up a woman named Danya Sartor. She was just elected yesterday as mayor of Jonesboro, Georgia, which is a majority black city, and has never had a black woman serve as their mayor. And so Danya will be the first black woman mayor. She's a former teacher. Uh, She's been working for nearly three decades as a teacher, and she's been a progressive voice on the Jonesboro City Council for the last three years. A lot of the groups that Way to Win supports, like Working Families Party Georgia, CASA in Action, played a really big role in canvassing for this election. Normally, municipal elections are very low turnout. This was the highest record turnout they've ever seen in a municipal election. And so, of course, that gives me hope, you know, Local representation really matters, and local elections really matter, as we know. And it's just great to see this victory in representation and in progressive values happening in a, such a critical swing state like Georgia. Yeah, that's awesome. A little reason for hope and also uh, hero of the week kind of mixed in together. And yeah. uh, and I love the work that you do at Way to Win, you know, uh, supporting candidates like that, too. It's so it's so inspiring. So that gives me hope, too. Oh, thanks. All right. Well, um, now we get all the goods on the former MAGA president and the peril that he is in from our great friend, Allison Gill. I don't know if it's MAGA or MAGA. I think it's, I like MAGA because it just sounds a little bit more, a little bit less like European or something. I don't know. MAGA MAGA. sounds. (laughs) Sounds like it's a cocktail you're having on a yacht, you know, somewhere. MAGA (laughs) sort of sounds like mad. Like there's something about Can we get another round of MAGAs over here? (laughs) Exactly. And the lavender-scented so, wet towel because I'm spritzing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. MAGA. <laughs> I'm going to start saying MAGA now. Uh, yeah. We'll hear all about the MAGA <laughs> former president from our good friend, Allison Gill. Allison Gill, of course, is the founder of MSW Media, a podcast network of independent creators dedicated to news, politics, and justice. 
including How We Win. She is the host of Muller She Wrote, The Daily Beans, and Jack, as well as many other podcasts. Dr. Gill was a high-level employee at the Department of Veteran Affairs before she was wrongly terminated by the Trump administration. There are not many people who have been chronicling the former guy's actions and impending consequences with more detail and dedication than Allison. So we are super grateful to have her on today. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Oh, and by the way, brand new thing. Pete Strzok is now the co-host with me on uh, on a show called Clean Up on Aisle 45, a podcast there. So if you don't have enough Pete Strzok in your life using, you know, appropriate profanity, you should <laughs> check out Clean Up on Aisle 45. I mean, too much goodness coming from one woman. It's just not fair. And uh, and the, the people that you bring on to the network are only like the brightest and most informed uh, you know, minds when it comes to justice and specifically their knowledge of uh, the Justice Department having been insiders and, and worked there. Um, we delayed our pod drop this week so we could talk to you about yesterday's indictment. That hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so shame on me, seriously, for getting roped into Trump's bullshit. That's, that's my bad. Um, but there, <laughs> there is a lot that is looming, and indictments, I think, are imminent. Can you just start by giving us like a high-level overview on where we are with these cases? Like, it looks like there's two cases in New York and one in Georgia that may all be dropping the hammer soon. Uh, yeah, well, we've got the uh, October 3rd trial slated for Tish James's $250 million civil suit against the Trump Organization, Trump and his crotch fruit, uh, a.k.a. his adult children. Uh, <laughs> and that starts October 3rd. Uh, he just tried to delay that this week and the judge denied it again. So that starts October 3rd. And I know that seems like it's far away, but that is the court schedule. We have so like we need to double our federal bench. It's just it takes a long time to get a trial scheduled. Mm. So that starts October 3rd. Then we have the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, who is working on a five-year-old case right now, uh, which is the Stormy Daniels hush money payment case. Uh, but we don't even know if that's the extent of what he's, uh, you know, finalizing charges for. We're only assuming that because with this new grand jury where he's brought you know, brought forth these uh, witnesses looking for an indictment, those witnesses all have to do with the Stormy Daniels hush money payment case. And we know Stormy Daniels was in here, you know, at the talking to the prosecutors this week, um, not in front of the grand jury, but she was there at the end of, I think at the end of last week as well. So it seems like this is the Stormy Daniels Daniels hush, hush money payment case, but we just found out and it's kind of good you delayed because we've got, you know, we've got some uh, breaking news that the... Grand jury was supposed to meet Wednesday to vote uh, up or down on whether to charge, to, to bring an indictment against Donald Trump. And the Manhattan DA called off the grand jury today and said, don't come in, but be on standby Thursday. And then further um, reporting from, I believe, Paul Reed at CNN is that he is holding out for one final witness to come back. Um, and and a, a, he, they said, come back, which means it's somebody, it's one of these seven or eight people who've already testified to this grand jury in this particular case. We don't know who that is, um, uh, but we're waiting to see. So now they might get that testimony 
tomorrow. They might not. They might not get that testimony until Monday and then maybe not vote until next Wednesday. And then the things that happen after an indictment uh, are pretty they're, they're interesting over in New York. That in, that indictment is filed under seal. It's put in literally a sealed envelope. And we don't know what's in it until the person is arraigned. And so the DA has to call up Donald Trump's lawyers and say, we've indicted you. Come on in. When do you want to come in? And there's no <laughs> written down rule for how fast he has to come in. It's just kind of whenever they both agree. Now, obviously, if he says, I'm not ever coming, uh, then they can issue a, yeah. a, a warrant for his arrest. Uh, but if he, if he does... Uh, agree to come. Then he's um, booked, fingerprinted, his mugshot is taken, a DNA swab is taken, and then he's walked down the hall uh, to the arraignment, to the court for his arraignment, and that is when the indictment is unsealed. So the only way that we'll learn about this indictment is during that arraignment, which we'll obviously know because there'll be a media circus in New York trying to film his perp walk because now he wants to wear handcuffs, yeah. or um, or he'll blab it when they call him, which, you know, might happen. He... he Every single leak we've gotten about this story has come from his team, so we might see that too. So those are those two cases. There's other cases going on also um, in Fulton County, um, in the Southern District of New York with True Social, and of course we have Jack Smith uh, looking at obstruction and the documents case and January 6th. Um, yeah, that's uh, it's a lot, and um, <laughs> I think Rachel Maddow actually did a good job this week of reminding us this is who this guy's always been. He's always had you know uh, copious amounts of legal trouble. Um, it, I don't normally like to ask people to speculate on on stuff, but you have the most informed speculation of anybody. So, um, you know, calling off the the convening of the grand jury, uh, the breaking news that you just reported on for us. Is there something specific that you have in mind that that they may be looking at? Like, who do you think they're they're going to bring back, or or is that just you know could it just be a whole slew of things? Yeah, I am absolutely. I don't know, uh, honestly. I, I, you know, I mean, this is such a small case, um, and you know, with the reporting of of Tacopino uh, having previous attorney client relationship with Stormy Daniels, that's not really a thing either, because Tacopino is not a lawyer in this in this particular case, so that doesn't really, I think, make a difference. And who's Tacopino? Um, Tacopino is the guy that lunged at Ari Melber uh, on, <laughs> on his show and, you know, looks straight out of central casting and, and was, you know, the guy who was arguing, going back and forth with Ari Melber, giving away the defense for Donald Trump, by the way, to prosecutors, uh, because, you know, he's, he told him, hey, the defense here is that Donald would have made this payment, this payment would have been made whether he was running for president or not. We do this all the time. We catch and kill stories all the time uh, because he's a known public figure. But then the other defense that we're hearing from Costello, who came in uh, mistakenly, if you ask me, <laughs> to testify uh, before the grand jury, was that uh, that this was extortion or that she, that he didn't that, that Cohen did this on his own he Cohen took out a second mortgage on his house and paid <laughs> off stormy daniels without you know uh, having any sort of back and forth with trump about it even though the southern district of new york way back in the day clearly said that this was done at the direction of and to benefit donald individual one excuse me right. who, who we know is donald john trump yeah uh, boy his legal team just <laughs> keeps getting weirder. I mean, 
Like uh, the just no one. Obviously, he's had uh, you know famously, and it's been reported a lot, a very difficult time uh, getting legal counsel, getting anyone to work with them, because most of the lawyers who work with them end up under threat of indictment themselves, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and have their own legal problems. So, uh, like, who are these people now uh, who are lunging at uh, reporters and and you know, like they're straight out of central casting do they have any institutional credibility have have they been on your radar at all or are they just well i'd never heard of, of joey tacos which is what my nickname is for <laughs> joe tacopino um That's a good one. Uh, but he he's technically a lawyer i can say that uh, you know just like jenna ellis is technically a lawyer just like Sidney powell is technically a lawyer I'm, I'm hoping that this sort of you know prompts people around the country to go to law school because i mean hey if they can make it you know so can you uh so i don't i'm not familiar with them there's another lawyer that was brought up in the in the documents case that jack smith wants to talk to named jennifer little who i had never heard of either but is defending Trump in Fulton County in Georgia, but they, but Jack Smith, the, the special counsel at the DOJ, wants to talk to her about the documents case, which is right now, as we speak, being discussed in a D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals hearing. Let's talk about that. You uh, obviously have an incredible podcast called Jack, uh, which has been chronicling the progress that the new special counsel, uh, you know, I mean, you cut your teeth on special counsels, so uh, <laughs> it's fair. Um, I heard some reporting that uh, stuff is looks like it's starting to come to a head there. What are you thinking about that timeline? To me, even considering the former president is about to be indicted, whether it's this week or next week, out of the Manhattan DA's office, this is the biggest news of the week to me, bigger than that. And I know that that sounds weird. But what's happening is there is now evidence in a, in a sealed filing, you know, we've heard from people who are familiar with the filing and the order from Judge Beryl Howell on her last day on the bench, that there's evidence, prima facie evidence, that Donald Trump misled his attorneys uh, and concealed classified documents uh, from them. And that he was going to make, you know, basically make them the fall guy, make Evan Corcoran the fall guy. And that there are transcribed audio calls and handwritten notes and invoices that Jack Smith had subpoenaed from Corcoran. And apparently either Trump or Corcoran came in and and fought it. And Judge Beryl Howell reviewed them and said that they are pierced by the crime fraud exception. You can't claim attorney-client privilege here. There was a whole privilege log and a a taint team and everything, much like the Eastman emails situation we witnessed Mm -hmm. all throughout last year. And so she ordered that that had to be all that had to be handed over and that Corcoran had to testify on six different lines of questioning because of the crime fraud exception. Uh, basically, that Trump had obstructed justice um, in, in those discussions with Evan Corcoran about concealing uh, classified documents. So now, um, of course, she issues that order. Trump comes in, asks for a stay, which is normal. The yeah. appeals court which is one above Beryl Howe's circuit court, the appeals court, uh, granted the stay and then gave them gave the Trump team four hours until midnight on Tuesday to respond and then gave the DOJ another six hours, eight hours, Wednesday morning to respond. I think it's six or eight in the morning. It's the fastest I've ever seen for a, a, a briefing schedule 
on in anything, in any case. And I know even Neil Katyal, former Solicitor General, was like, this is the fastest I've ever seen. George Conway, I talked to a bunch of attorneys and, and former U.S. Um, USAs, and, and they're like, I've never seen anything go that fast before. And it makes me wonder if Corcoran is willing to testify, and it's just Trump trying to stop him, because Corcoran now sees the writing on the wall. He's supposed to be the fall guy mm-hmm. in this 20-year obstruction. That's a 20-year max, 1519, 18 U.S. Code, 1519, uh, obstruction of justice. And I don't think Evan Corcoran's willing to go to prison uh, for, you know, I guess that would end up to be in like four to seven years uh, for, for Donald Trump. So right now, and that was, the you know, Wednesday morning. And so right now we're waiting for the appellate court decision uh, on on whether or not he has to testify and produce these documents under the crime fraud exception. That is astounding. That is astounding and uh, encouraging, too, because Trump is famously good at delaying cases. And uh, and to see that stay, you know, responded to so quickly uh, is, uh, like you said, unprecedented and and very encouraging because he loves to run out the clock. And I don't think at this point he can. Is, is there anything that he could actually, uh, of all of the legal trouble he's in, he can he run out the clock on any of it? Well, I don't, I, I'm going to have to say I don't know, because there may be some sort of novel legal theory that I haven't thought of or that, that people haven't thought of, because that, you know, I always expect the unexpected when it comes to Donald Trump. I didn't think that it would be difficult to get Pence's um, testimony for Jack Smith, but then he comes up with this, I was a senator that day, and so the speech or debate clause protects me. And and while that is a losing argument, it still is a novel one that may go up to SCOTUS. And so, you know, that that's delay right there, right? I don't think it, I, I don't ultimately think that it can delay forever, um, but it does definitely add months um, that we saw it in the Scott Perry cell phone battle with Jack Smith. Um, they got their fo- they got his phone in August. They're still trying to get at the in the innards of the phone uh, because he's he is uh, you know saying that he's protected by the speech or debate clause. Um, and so there's all sorts of just de- delay, but but in this particular one with the documents case, with this huge fast schedule, and the fact that we we saw this, a little something close to it recently with Mark Short, where where Jack Smith wanted Mark Short to come back, and and because uh, Trump was claiming executive privilege over some of his questions, he came back the next day to testify after. And just for after our listeners, remind us who that. Mark Short is. Mark Short is uh, one of the, um, I think, deputy like a deputy legal advisor to Mike Pence. Right. So it, it that was very fast. And so I think we might see this go faster than we think, especially if Corcoran is cooperative and wants to hand over this stuff and it's just Trump who's stopping him. We'll we'll see. I mean, or we might not. All of this is happening under seal and the only reason we're getting it is because Trump's lawyers are talking to us. Not us, but you know, the public or well, <laughs> the press about it. Yeah, it's their plan is to try to muddy it up and get in get it out there and and make it confusing they they know they 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 can't win the the legal argument clearly so they try to delay and then they try to muddy up public perception of it that's that's their thing and people are sometimes confused about like why would they why would the trump team come out and tell everybody about this well that it's to get out ahead of it you remember when uh junior's emails with his dad uh about lying to the New York Times about covering up the Trump Tower meeting, and right. Junior was the first to release them. I mean, that's just, it's its a known way to get out ahead of it. Well, how could I have done anything? I released them. 
I'm not hiding anything. Yeah. Well, you know, that's these, these were fine MO. because I released them, so they must be fine. I wouldn't incriminate myself. <laughs> I'm way too bright for that. Um, all right. Well, to be fair, he didn't get indicted for that. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, were you just defending his brightness? I don't know. I don't know what just no, happened. No. The reason he didn't get indicted was because he was deemed too dumb to commit the crime. So no. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Uh, special kind of uh, crotch fruit, as you said. Um, there's a lot to, to watch out for. I thought we had a little schadenfreude to enjoy today, but uh, I was still still on the edge of our seats. Um, what's what's giving you hope right now from what you know? That that uh, uh, appeals uh, appeal at the D.C. Circuit. The three-judge panel is Pan, Childs, and Pillard, I think are their names. It's uh, two Biden appointees and an Obama appointee. Uh, and we never used to have to talk about who appointed judges, but here we are post-Trump. Um, so they, these are fair judges. Uh, and w- that is what's giving me the most hope is this documents uh, case. I think that's going very, very fast. I think it's being aggressively pursued by Jack Smith. Uh, and and we'll see. So we didn't get the schadenfreude from the Manhattan DA, uh, an indictment for the hush money payment, but we did get this win for crime fraud exception from uh, Judge Beryl Howell. And now she's, by the way, stepped down on Friday. And on Saturday, Judge Jeb Boesberg was sworn in. He's the new chief uh, of the uh, D.C. District Court. Mm. Uh, so he will be overseeing um, the grand jury stuff. Okay, we will stay tuned. We will stay tuned to all of your podcasts so that we stay informed. And Allison, thank you for all of the amazing work you do and, of course, your incredible support of our show as well. Thank you, and thank you for your amazing work, and thank you for running. <laughs> thank you, because that's amazing and important, and, and I, I can't wait to see what you do with this. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. We would love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com or tweet to us at howwewinpod, at bluesboysteve, and at Jen and Kona. Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you get your pods and share our show with your friends and family. You're so polite asking nicely like that. There's always work to do, so we will be back with some more next Wednesday. MSW.